The following session of Radios and Tunnels contains a few choice expletives due to the passionate nature of the conversation. So if you're easily offended by the occasional or perhaps a then by all means, adjust your listening expectations and all-around reception strategy for this particular session accordingly. Crack at Dawn by Paul and the Tall Trees, and it was released back in 2016 on Big Crown Records. Man, I love that song. I love a lot of the Paul and the Tall Trees songs, as you're going to learn over the next hour or so. I'm Jeff Skin Wade, and you're listening to Radios and Tunnels. And today's session is a family affair, because not only do I have Paul Shalda of Paul and the Tall Trees in studio with me, I also have his dad, William Shalda. And I think this is one hell of a story. Paul traveled the world with Charles Bradley, the great soul singer, as his guitarist and backup singer. But the seed that was planted for Paul to grow into that musical persona that he is was planted by his dad, William, who had dreams of being a doo-wop star in the mid-60s. Well, a very standard tale is a musician finds a woman, falls in love, marries her, they start a family, and he leaves his musical dreams behind so he can provide for his family. But what he really provided was a musical education that his three boys soaked in. Now let's circle back a couple decades later, and those three boys pulled their dad back in to record a fantastic album under the name The Shaladas. Released on Daptone Records, Love in the Wind is a doo-wop album, but it's also a soul album. Little bit of folk, little bit of psychedelia, and really, really cool. It sounds timeless. It's one of the best summer records of the year, if you ask me. Great music to listen to out at the lake and sip on a cold beer. And when I reached out to Paul and said, hey, man, I need you to join me on my podcast, he said, hey, my dad just moved here. Can he join us, too? And, man, that was one hell of a suggestion. Yeah. You're a recent Dallas resident, if I have that right, correct? Uh, yeah, probably within the week, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that you get much more recent than that. Uh-huh. No, and I met your son, Paul, first. Paul joining us in the studio as well. Hi, how are you? Uh, all the way from uh, originally Staten Island, where Paul, you grew up with your dad William teaching you all about music, and I would imagine that was a cool experience to have a Papa Bear that had released records and had as much love for music as your dad does. Yeah, kind of amazing. Um, I know you have a son. It kind of takes a little while to 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 come around to that thing. Um, early on, you know, he just sang to us, and so um, that's what I knew of it. I had no idea that he had a record of 45 out in 65. Up until, I can't even tell you up until probably I was in my teens um, when I was collecting records myself. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of phenomenal. Uh, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. What were you listening to in your teens when your dad dropped a <laughs> doo-wop record on you? Which we'll, we'll play a little bit of in a second, by the way. We'll get everybody a taste uh, of that. There's a lot of stuff happening then. I mean, Wu-Tang came out in, what, 94? 94 yes 94 i mean that i'm a stand on a guy that was that was what i mean i was i was in i was in a different scene a rock and roll hardcore scene that uh, strangely enough you know it was all about 45 seven inches is what we were calling them and uh so it had this weird record vibe thing happening with what is going on now and also with the older like records and the, and the labels that i deal with now with Deptone and big crown and stuff like that but um in my teens, it was it was yeah it was a, a lot of Wu Tang, a lot of um, a lot of a lot of a lot of hardcore stuff, minor, mm-hmm. minor threat and stuff like that, and uh, and yeah, and some some hip hop, some New York hip hop, really like that was that was kind of that was kind of it between those things. A lot of the hardcore cats, man. I mean, Wu Tang took over when when I was a teenager for me, so it was like it, it ripped right through it. It would be impossible, I think, to be a young person growing up in New York and at least not. I don't want to say love hip hop, but at least have it be a part of your life. And so, William, you grew up on the soul scene. What are you kind of thinking about what your kids are listening to in the eighties and nineties? I love it. Uh, I thought it was great. I mean, and even the hip hop. I mean, hip hop. Actually, I thought it had a lot in common with doo wop. 
uh, in that the beauty of doo-wop and, and, and the early rock and roll was that it was accessible. Hmm. You know, you didn't need a lot. And with doo-wop, I mean, we, we went out on the street corner. And we just sang. We did four or five part harmony until somebody threw hot water on us or something else. <laughs> and, you know, we were trying to emulate groups like like the Moonglows. And the Moonglows, I remember my mother complaining to me. She said, oh, what are you listening to these guys? They sound like cats on a backyard fence. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> they, 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 but they strive to do it. If you ever, I don't know if you ever listened to the Moonglows ever, but these Harvey Fuqua, Bobby Lester endings were like, wah, 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 and, and, and it was designed <laughs> The sound like that. Uh, so anyway, the accessibility of that just uh, – and the music kind of morphed and got more sophisticated. And all of a sudden, you came out with hip-hop. And the guys were just – one guy going yeah. – and, and you were back to basics again where you didn't have to strap up with $8,000 worth of equipment. You know? right, so, right. so I loved it. It was it – was, it was the excitement. It was the energy. It was beautiful. I thought it was great. What do you remember, Paul, listening to? Like, because I have specific memories of what my parents listened to, what my older sister listened to when I wasn't choosing my own records. So at some point, you know, like like you said, minor threat. You're going to start picking yeah. your own stuff. But before you're doing that, what do you remember hearing around your folks' house? Oh, they had a they had a ton of records. Um, Pop would, I mean, play a lot of Beatles because he had us singing. He had us singing harmonies from the get go. Really, it was a great way to shut up three boys in the back of the car. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right, right. You have three boys yeah. in the back of the car, ten, eight, and six, eight, six, and four, and you're just like, stop. You guys arguing. would sing "Love on an Elevator." <laughs> And right, the Smith. Oh, yeah. man, oh that, was that, was, that, that was one of my first tapes. That had some nice harmonies in some of those my, songs. One of my first tapes was yeah. Permanent Vacation. That was, that was 80s style. That was, that was not teens. Mm-hmm. That was, what, eight? I was probably eight or nine when that record but that's, came out. But that's the whole idea that, is keeping that. you guys quiet. Yeah. So. No, you, <laughs> got, you guys did a great job of that. But their records in, in like, their style, they were, they were hippies. You know what I mean? They had, they had, all, the, they had all the greats, all the classics. You right. can imagine... Name them, it's kind of straight down the line. James, a lot of James Taylor. Papa's a big James Taylor fan. So right. A lot of James Taylor. Tom Waits, you know, mm. Beatles and, and some Stones and some Zeppelin and, you know, just the regular, you know, basically across the board classic stuff they, 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 they had there. Pop would sing us Cat Stevens at night and Beatles songs. So that was kind of engraved. That was when we were real young at like, you know, six, four, and two, and I can remember. I can remember hearing you sing that stuff to sleep. Super young. So. You and and like you mentioned, James Taylor and Cat Stevens. You almost, in some ways, kind of do a modern version of that. But it's also interesting to me because production-wise, it has a timeless kind of sound. Uh, but wh- where are you? Oh, sorry, are you the oldest, the youngest, the, I'm middle? the middle guy? Okay, so you're I'm the, the middle, middle son. Yeah, and we'll talk about the Shaladas in a minute because ultimately. The three boys get to back, get back yeah. together with their dad, and yeah. you guys do a doo-wop yeah. record. And I really could not believe what I was hearing when I heard it. But we're going to get to that in a minute. But with the Paul and the Tall Trees stuff, uh-huh. what? how do you get to that point through your journey in music to where that's the style of music that you're making and that's what you, you want to sound like? It's tough. You know, um, I mean, I started when I, st- I, I thought about it today. I, st- I started, what, 24? Five years ago, my first record came out in 1994. Really, three steps up. 1994. I have a, a 45. 19 with me and my my older brother Will. That was our first 45. What is the style of music? <clears throat> that is that's like hardcore, melodic hardcore. Thing okay, happened in 94. Yeah, and I was 16. I was 16. I was 16. Were you that old? <clears throat> I was 16. I think it was 15 when we when we tracked it. Where um, did you track it? We tracked it at our, our friend TJ. Quatron's house uh, onto onto eight track tape onto eight track tape at the time. So was it like um, uh, drums and because you're a guitar player? Yeah, well at the time I was just a singer. Okay, at the time I was just a singer. I was I've always done the singing thing. I picked up the guitar. My pop my pop told me he explains it best that the guitar is kind of backup. It's just it's accompaniment for the vocals, and that's kind of the way I look at it. I'm I'm not a trained guitarist. I've never went to school for guitar. If you ask me the chords I'm playing in my songs, most likely I could tell you a couple, and most and then then I'm lost. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Um, so it just I just taught myself, and it was really just there because I was writing these melodies. Eventually, I st- I stopped just singing, and I was like, ah, I want to I want to write my own stuff. I w- I want to kind of try this thing out and it and it morphed it morphed like our first record i did 
uh, as a solo artist, kind of has this sound. And then the next record has a little bit different. We record the next record at Levon Helm's place, which is super nice. I got mm. to hang out with Levon Helm. Are you serious? Yeah, I got to hang out with Levon Helm, smoke some shit with Levon Helm. How did Helm. that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, all my life I kind of stepped into some shit, you know what I mean? I got to be honest, I just lucked out. I just lucked out. I knew of friends, people who... Um, people who were just connected with these other artists were into what I was doing, even uh-huh. though I wasn't on a big scale and I've never really been on a big scale. Just the the people that knew these people were into the music that I did, and so the drummer who worked with Levon at his place, uh, he was a fan and he recorded drums on it. And we recorded at the ran- at the at the studio at Levon's house. And wow, <laughs> yeah, kind of nuts, man, just to hang out with that guy, you know. Uh, I've only met one other guy like him, and that was Charles. I mean, I always thought about this. Like, I met Levon, and he had this smiling. When you could, when you hang out with him in a room, all you could do is smile and like just be ha- just be happy, you know, just just kind of feel this love. And the only other guy I ever met like that was Charles. Man, it was like he had the same the same aura, the same spirit. It was it was kind of awesome. I'm very 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 grateful. But so it kind of morphed into that, and then I started getting into some other kinds of styles. And I've always just tried to change my vocal style a bit just mm-hmm. to kind of, for my own sanity and to, to not be bored, to try to go here and there and whatever. And so, yeah, and then we got into, then I got into this record. But Tommy and I, like, with the last Paul of Tall Trees and this this record, we, we, we were probably adamant about keeping it to eight tracks and just trying to make that whole thing happen. How did, did you teach your boys to sing, or were they born with the gift? Uh, it's 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 a combination. I mean, you can't teach someone to sing if they don't have the capacity. I mean, if, if you've ever heard somebody, you know, who's got a tin ear, you can teach them, hey, there's a melody over here. They may appreciate it very well, but if they can't hear it and then coordinate their vocal cords to hit the note they got to hit, you're not going anywhere with That's it. That's the Skin Wade story. <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> I wish I could sing. I can't. I mean, I, I can't. I can't organize it in my head to do what you're what you're describing. When did you know? I was like, dude, my boys can sing. Uh, when they would sing along or hum along with songs, and then you know, I, I mean, it almost started with Sesame Street songs. They'd be singing mm-hmm. along with those things, and one of the first songs we sang in harmony was the old uh, I can only sing the high part it's right uh, I can only sing the low part low part you know and they just did all these things yeah. and I don't even and, and it that. was just great <laughs> sitting on the stoop yeah but you were you were you were, you were maybe eight at the oldest maybe you were seven and Carmine was five and Will was nine I don't know but you guys were doing it 
And then we just tool around town in this really light lime green old beat up Cadillac that we used to have. And they would sing along with all these Beach Boy songs. Uh, and then every now and then I'd throw on a Muddy Waters tape and it was like, how do we sing along with this? <laughs> <There's> a, <laughs> a harmonies here. That's right. That's right. That's just right. feel the grit. Oh, you, exactly. Feel the grit, exactly. Yeah, that's this is mud. what real life is like. Kids. This is what real life is like. Uh, <laughs> Spoiled. I, I, I want to get to the Shalada story because I find this so interesting. There's so many things things that, that intrigue me about this because, you know, like people, I'm a little bit older than Paul or I'm a lot older, but... You know, I arrived at older music through hip-hop, not through my parents' record collection, because uh-huh. my parents weren't big music heads, mm-hmm. but hip-hop brought me back to, then I became a soul collector and a jazz right. collector and all this stuff, and uh, that's how you discover the Daptones, and that, the, hey, that. there's a modern thing going on, and they're using old analog recording techniques yep. to grab a certain sound, yep. but I was so taken by your stuff, the Paul and the Tall Tree stuff, because yep. I did not expect it. And actually, you know, we had a bunch of mutual connections before we actually met up, Paul. Right, right. And it's amazing to me that you're a Maverick fan oh, and yeah. that whole thing. But crazy. I met you through our friends at Josie Records, and uh, you, you you met my friend Adrian Quesada down in uh-huh. Austin and on and on. Yeah, but when I finally heard your stuff, I was really, quite honestly, I was sort of stunned by it. Because it's Thanks. not what I thought. I would love to hear your description of what Paul and the Tall Trees is style-wise. That's oh, tough. I mean... I- I think I, what I try and tell people is it you know it's rock and soul. It's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of different. It's an acquired taste. I know my vocals are an acquired taste. I understand that. Um, I do. I, it's not that I do that on purpose. I think there's a, it takes a long time to um, to uh, be able to as a singer to be able to say that's me. Um, I know you know you have influences all your life and. You end up trying to sound like your influences, and or just, just sounding like them because it's just it, it just happens. It just happens, and uh, and so for me, it's 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 tough. It's tough to it's tough to describe other than rock and soul, cla- classic rock. I don't. I there's don't, a folk element. To yeah, it. there is a folk Definitely. element to it. Some people would say there's a bohemian. Element yeah, I yeah. Mean, but I, I but I think it would be a total short change to call it folk. Right. right. Because and I, and part of it is because of uh, you know the production approach, right. uh, but part of it is uh, there's a big sphere of influence going on. But, right, you listen uh, to React or Crack at Dawn. That that's not folk. No, I started the podcast you know, off with um, Crack at Dawn because it's so unique to me. And even yes. like the way you get into the initial verse, there's like yeah. a stutter thing yeah, going on yeah. where you're trying to find your footing. And and yeah. it's that's almost bluesy in some regard. Yeah, it kind of has a, a, a Lennon vibe, like a like a well, well, well vibe or something like that, where it's just um kind of written around the vocal melody, and then the guitar is like, all right, this is what I should play around this vocal melody kind of thing. Um, and the groove is super cool. The production's uh, cool, uh, yeah, but production's, uh, I I want to get into all. some some of your new stuff. And before we're gonna play someone as someone, and and you brought up Charles. And we right, should. Yeah, this we, is we, his jam. This we need to jam. before we tell that story. We need to tell the listeners because we didn't. We just made an assumption here. Yeah. Tell them who Charles is and what he was to you. Uh, Charles Bradley was was uh, was a soul singer. Was it was a great man um, who uh, who took me around the world uh, for four years. He let me uh, he let me have the best seat in the house. Watch him do his thing <laughs> every night. You um, play guitar for him? Or? I did. I played guitar and I sang backing vocals. Um, and he. Uh, he he was he was a great man. He was he was a truly truly great man, and he he helped me out in so many ways, and and uh, opened my eyes to so many things, and um, and yeah. So he's a, he's a, he's a soul artist who uh, who just has um, like I said about Levi, he just had that thing. I mean, I've never seen people at shows before with 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 these smiles on their face, looking at this man <laughs> telling this terribly heartbreaking story. So happy for this man and. And I had the best seat. At the, I mean, I honestly, I had the best seat in the house. Like it was just, he was so mesmerizing. I, I tell people like I could set myself on fire on stage, and nobody would look over at me. <laughs> nobody would try and help me. They would just say, "Get that guy off the fucking stage." Smoke <laughs> distracting us from yeah. Charles. Get smoke scared <laughs> in my eye. I mean, he just had that thing, and I got and and he let me he let me ride along. He let me ride along with and, him. Man. And you, you I and saw you guys uh, perform last week, and you yeah. before you performed someone to someone off of the new record. That has not been released yet. Yeah. You said this was Charles's song. Yeah. And so my first thing. thought was, 
well, why are you just now recording it? And how long <laughs> have you had this song? And I immediately had all these questions, and it's a great song. Ah, uh, thanks. Uh, so give me the story about Someone to Someone, and then we'll play it. Someone to Someone was written um, while we started doing the Shalada thing. Tommy and I were talking about doing the Shalada thing. We were trying to get Pop to do doo-wop songs. We were begging him, Pop, to do doo-wop songs, do doo-wop songs. And it took him a little while. It took him a little coaxing. And... Uh, and I was on the road with Charles for probably about a, a year and a half at this time. And when I came home back to New York, I'd, I, I would do some writing for the new Paul and Tall Trees record or for the new, for the Shaladon record. How long ago was this? Um, this was a while ago. This was like 2014, 15. Okay. <clears throat> um, and, uh, and so I came home and I had this, I had this melody. I was like walking around New York City and I'm like, I don't know, you know, like I met all these wonderful people around the world. And in New York, in my home, I was, I just couldn't find couldn't find the person. Couldn't find. I didn't. I felt like I'm not. Just not for me here. Like um, that person for me is not here. So I went home. I talked to Pop, and I'm like, man, I got this. I got this hook. I got this hook. I want to take a listen to. It. I got this hook going into this verse, and I played it for. I am someone to someone, but no one to nobody, and it's not like a prophet, you know. And I and I gave it to him, and I said, go with it. Go do your thing. Like go. Like let's make a Shalada song. Let's make a Shalada song. And he the next day. The next day, he sent the demo out to me and Tommy with the whole, like, he took the story. He took the story. He's like, Paul, that's your story. Like, that's your story. Like, that's, that's, that's for you. Like, that's it. Like, and so we recorded it as a, actually as a, for the Shalada record. It was supposed to be on the Shalada record, and it just didn't fit. It, it felt more like a, a Paul and the Tall Trees thing, and so it was like it fit so well with the record that we had just recorded for Paul and the Tall Trees. And, and by the time we got around to recording it, you know what I mean, it's 2006. 17 you know it's yeah. around then so so um so it kind of just all it just fit into the poem and the tall trees and to, to get into it charles why charles loved it so much is because when we right before you know one of the tours with charles i would play i would open a couple of the shows and i would play it and he'd be like oh i love that song i play that song man you gotta play that song and then every time i was on the road with him from then he would ask me to play it during his set and i'd be like charles i can't play this song man it's like your set i'm not <laughs> nobody wants to, I told you I can set myself on fire on stage nobody yeah. wants nobody cares no one wants to hear me sing like I, I love you like I'm not doing it I'm not doing it to myself I'm not doing it to you like it's not happening And but he would try and sing it every time in the, in the bus and he would just be like I'm somebody nobody <laughs> nobody some Paul what Paul how's that go <laughs> I started making up his own song absolutely unique ah, absolutely give him a big unique fucking hug and like, give him well, a noogie the song the is someone to someone it's beautiful and it sounds like this. I am someone, someone, but no one, nobody here. I am someone, someone, but no one, nobody here. And it's not like a prophet could make the message more clear. I've been wandering the desert. Forty long years, no sight for sore eyes or music to my ears. I know somewhere to someplace I could call home. I keep on searching, still I'm alone. I am someone, someone, but no one, nobody here. I am someone, someone, but no one, nobody And it's not like nobody could make that message more clear All the courtesies any man could I extend But never am I certain of any friend I have women to talk to, but still I I'm like a spectator at life's parade. I love that song. I love the whole new record. I'm not bragging that I've gotten to hear it yet, and you guys haven't, but I'm sort of bragging that I've got to hear it, and uh, you guys haven't. But you're going to love it. Uh, and I think it's kind of an interesting segue to kind of circle back more to some of William's story here. 
because you mentioned that you thought this might be a Shalada song, but it became a Paul and the Tall Tree song. But the Shaladas don't happen if it's not for, what, the Monterey's back in the 60s? Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're about to play sure. some of that, but before we do that, take <laughs> me back to what uh, William Shalda is doing in the early 1960s, trying to figure out uh, how he's going to put out a record. Well, in the 1960s, uh, and I probably began singing this stuff uh, just because 54, 55, 56, yeah. Leftones, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, the Flamingos, the Moonglows, the, the Penguins, all these groups. So you just get involved in it, and everybody in Brooklyn is singing doo-wops on the corner. Uh, so around 1960, 61, uh, I'm singing with my group, which is called the Fluorescents, and there's this other group called the Monterey's, and uh, and they're pretty good, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, geez, I... I I know I got my own group, but I'd like to be with these guys. <laughs> and, and the biggest honor, we were in New Utrecht yeah. High School, and the biggest honor is to sing in the bathroom, in the boys' bathroom in the cafeteria, because that's where the tile was and gave you a natural reverb. Oh, nice. Yes, yeah. man. And as it turned out, the second tenor for the Monterey's did not go to New Utrecht High School. So they needed a fill-in. And I just happened to be cutting out of every class I had uh, <laughs> to sing in the cafeteria. And I hooked up with them then, and, uh, I mean, that was all there was to it. Uh, at that point, they switched out second tenors. And, How old were uh, you when this came out? Uh, when the record came yeah, out? Uh, let's came see. Out. Uh, it was probably my fourth time as a sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went, I went through high school uh, really on the long-term plan. Yeah. I actually went to summer school every year deliberately so I could sing in the different schools, like Erasmus High School. There's a song by Kenny Vance in the Planetones called Looking for an Echo. And it's true because it's about singing in Erasmus Hall High School. They had this huge uh. hallway that, that just echoed like crazy. It was, mm -hmm. it was terrific. So anyway, we're all singing there. And it turns out that one guy has a connection with someone who's actually producing records and, uh, and writing songs. So all of a sudden, instead of doing uh, our own copies of doo-wops of everybody else's stuff, uh, along comes a songwriting team of Bobby Lance and Fran Robbins. They were brother and sister. They also wrote uh, The House of Jack Bill for Aretha Franklin. Wow. So, uh, you know, they came up with these two great sides. Uh, unfortunately, Fran Robbins was billed as Fred Robbins. Uh, you know, <laughs> wow. eternal regrets. Terrible. <laughs> but uh, uh, so we recorded those songs. Got some traction in California, perhaps because the name of the group was the Monterey's. And you mm -hmm. have the, you know, Monterey. But... We had the great misfortune to be doing some nice soul doo-wop type of stuff when the Beatles came out. Right. Uh, and <laughs> the, the British invasion. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> and, I mean, the Beatles themselves had, I think, 14 of the top 20 at the time. They knocked everybody out. Everybody was gone. Uh, so, uh, right. you know, you, you try a couple of different configurations. You pick up a guitar. You start playing the guitar. Uh, ultimately, uh, I just said the only way I'm going to be able to sing is to sing my kids to sleep at night because, you know, I mean, once I got married and had the guys, you know, your whole perspective changes. Absolutely. Uh, I wasn't going to stop singing or getting into music because if you're into music, you know, you never get rid of it. Right. But, uh, I said, well, okay, I'm going to sing. I'm going to keep my chops by singing to them. And that's where I got into these other guys like James Taylor or, right. or even some of the more acoustic Rolling Stones stuff like uh, prodigal son or things like that. Because you could sing kids to sleep with that. Some villain <laughs> stuff, uh, Desolation Row. I mean, really stark, bizarre lyrics, but it was singing them to sleep. It was, yeah, the, I didn't you know, know what saying. Uh, although Paul, Paul wouldn't go to sleep. <laughs> right. Will and Carmine would go to sleep. Paul would be up for two and a half hours. Sounded <laughs> good, Do man. another one, Dad. <laughs> well, the good thing about all that is before you went to that part of life, you uh -huh. did get some recordings done. Yeah. Yes, sir. And we're yeah. going to listen to... Step Right Up, which you take the lead vocal on. Yes, sir. And that is from the Monterey's 1965, and it went a little something like this. I'm 
Man, so hearing the story and listening to that, it, someone like me that grew up and lived my whole life in Dallas, it's that's the sort of stuff I see in like uh, nostalgic movies about New York. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole idea of the doo-wop group on the corner and sure. hearing music like that. I mean, I've only experienced that sort of thing through film, and we certainly didn't have that environment down here. So it's it's really cool to hear that, and it's really special that you guys circled back so many years later and made a doo-wop record. And I got to say this, man, I, I, don't, I don't listen to doo-wop. That's not a regular part of what I listen to. Me and my wife wore y'all's record out. Wow. And I, and I think part of it is, you know, the uniqueness of the sound. I think knowing that you're a family that did this so many years after, there's a timeless quality to it. It's fun knowing that it was recorded in modern times. There's so many things to, to like about this. But uh, before we play a little bit of the record, I want to know what you were thinking, William, when your boys came in and said, Pops, we got to do a doo-wop group. Yeah, it, it was. Well, the interesting thing was before that happened, they came to me and said, uh, and let me back up a few steps. Charles Bradley's producer, uh, Tom Brennick, is an old friend of Paul's and an old friend of Carmine's and an old friend of Will's. I mean, back from high school, maybe even from elementary school, I don't know. But they stayed in touch over all the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came up one day and he said, geez, you know, I need some backing vocals for a Charles Bradley record for uh, Victim of Love. You think you guys could come in and just kind of fool around? I heard that you guys fool around a little bit. Yeah. And this was this was really like his, you know, his brainchild. So we come in and we start singing the backing vocals. You know, we just kind of made them up on the spot. I said, well, what do you think? Can you do something like this? And we said, well, how about, you know, and that whole thing. And, and, uh, and he just loved it. And and uh, like within a week he was uh, you know we got to do, do a record, record. You know? <laughs> and that's when Paul started you got to do a doo wop record yeah. and meanwhile I had kind of morphed away from that just yeah. because what I had been doing with them yeah. had been you know playing the guitar a little bit more so it was a little bit more Dylan esque uh, and again I got kind of heavily into the blues uh, I wasn't yeah. kidding with the muddy water stuff mm-hmm. I wanted love, to be a blues guy. I love blues like orders. man you're a corporate lawyer you yeah. can't be a blues guy man. <laughs> come on that's now. my alter you ego work in mutual <laughs> funds. this guy says corporate you security don't, lawyer. you don't have the blues man. <laughs> do, do no, you're right do, do you're right I don't have the blues <laughs> you're doing well you're doing well and, uh, so I said gee I don't know if I can do this uh, and I started it, and it just seemed as though I must have had oh, such a perfect. reservoir it of it built up over it the years that it just, you know, it just really came right out yeah. like it had been there all perfect. along. But I have to say that the songs on the album I think that are the best are the ones that are co-authored mm-hmm. with Paul and with Tom. Uh, because, you know, like even as Paul was talking about with Someone to Someone, great hook. Somebody else can do another finishing part of it or whatever. If if you do the whole thing, it almost sounds, I don't I want to say incestuous, but, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just too much the same. Right, right. Yeah. But if you get two, three, four different people having some input into it, all of a sudden you can go into some nice places and there's a nice, I, 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 I know you refer to it as a doo-wop album. I'm not certain that it is exactly that. It's it's got so much other soul aspects to it, right? Yeah, so much so psychedelia. Yeah. Uh, some of the comments I've seen about it, people comparing us to the Young Rascals and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is you know I love to hear, you know. But I mean, it's not. It's the record itself. It's not just us. And, and Tommy clearly is the fifth one of us. Oh Tommy my Brennick. God. Well, let's let's hear uh, "Open My Eyes." For example, I want to know how this song came to be, what the recording aspect of it was like, what was the impetus for all this. Explain this to me, and then we'll listen to it. I can remember Tommy came to me with this with this piano part, and um, I got this tune. And uh, what do you think? And I kind of laid down the "Open My Eyes" thing to it, you know, uh, the melody and everything with it, kind of going along with it with the piano part and. Like all right, we're gonna get pop to 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 work on the lyrics, you know. Kind of that's how the when we did when when the three of us wrote together, it was like Tommy yeah. and I would Tommy would do the music, I would do like the the hook melody and the and the verse melody, and then we would just give it to Pop for the lyrics because he yeah. just and the harmony, the, the, all the harmonies behind it because he just nails it. And so we did that with this one, and then we had the the chorus was we had like three different parts for the chorus, and I eventually came up with the part for the chorus with the with the injury. 
And it ended up becoming a duet. Actually, this is yeah. this is the only song on the record that is a, is a duet. Actually, it's it's just me and Pop, um, which um, which is crazy. And Tommy did the backwards guitar thing on it. Man, it just it just no, kind of came, came along that way. <laughs> That's you know? what I say. It, go, it goes a long yeah. way from doo up. Yeah, when it, you get yeah, backwards you, tape loose, it's, you know? it's kind <laughs> right. of awesome, man. Well, that's also what makes it more than just a reimagining of a long lost yep. genre album. Yeah. It becomes something yeah. that's modern, even though it has a timeless sound. This is Open My Eyes. of this album on the Shaladaz album. Did you guys have an idea going in of, all right, we need to have it sound like this? Did you have a vision going in or did it just sort of take its own shape? I, I got to take this one, man. Pop did demos and and honestly, like, you know, you go into the studio, you you, you know, you hang out with this band, the Menahan Street Band. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal band. Yes. They're the band. Yes. The band on this record. They are the band yes, on they this are. record. And and who are some of the names? So we have Homer Steinweiss, we have Nick Mobstein, we have Leon Michaels, we have Victor Axelrod. Axelrod. Yeah. Victor you know, Axelrod. Uh, yeah. So people that don't know, Victor Axelrod is the dude that came up with the keyboard lick that you've heard a million times on the Amy Winehouse song <laughs> Rehab. Yeah. yeah. And Homer is the drum for the dap tone oh sound. Yeah. And when Amy Winehouse wanted to be Amy Winehouse, uh, you know, it's like let's go get that yeah, band, yeah. and they were the backing yeah, band for the big part Tommy's of her on record. the guitar on that. Yeah, most of that record, that Amy. They back so many like, people. It's, it's almost like phenomenal. they're the Booker T and the MGs right, right, of this, right. of this yeah. genre. Right. If so, Stax is the yeah. thing with the house band that's of right. the MGs, so leading right. into this, right? So that's the band. That's the band that's recording this stuff. And Pop comes in with his demos, and Pop records the bass, the drums, the organ the guitar, and all the vocals on it. It's like, you know, it's like Billy Wilson. It's like, you know, he is <laughs> the guy. It's like, you know, it's a little Brian Wilson. And so he comes in, and you have guys like Homer and Nick just being like, I'm going to, like, I'm going to play exactly that. And on those, on the record, you're hearing, you're hearing these guys just doing what you're That's great. It's amazing. And they love it. And they they love it's just it's just so real. It's so right. Uh But they do it so much better. They they do it so much better. They are so crisp and tight. Their work on that Tommy's production on that record. I mean, just grateful for that whole experience. It's such a labor of love. I mean, it it, it took years to do it. It is a labor of love for him. Yeah. It is a family member. Yeah. Just 
I just, the, the greatest thing to me ever. I mean, this is the most wonderful experience of my life. Recording a record with your kids. I, I, this, this is, is the, I, just I hope blows. I get to do that one day. It's I, crazy. You, I could jump out this so window cool. right now and die. And it'll be okay because yeah. because. But don't do I that. Don't we don't do need that. any violence on the podcast. <laughs> seems like there a very no aggressive thing to do. Well, well, you know what though? We might sell a couple extra records. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! It's the. Uh, you can't say I died at twenty-seven though. You can reverse the twenty-seven is the year. You can reverse the digits. Twenty-seven is the year you're supposed to die. Um, but uh, I, that is one of the things about this. It's so unique. You know, I was talking to my buddy KT earlier. He came out to the show on Friday. And it was you two, and then you guys had uh, 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 a backing vocalist, right? Great, great. And so it was was a four piece with uh, musical accompaniment. It was just uh, Paul, you on the guitar, and then your buddy on the keys. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that struck me as I'm watching this is it's it's first of all the Kessler Theater has great sound, so I feel like it captured all the nuance of what you guys were doing. But I, you were talking earlier, Paul, about people hearing stuff or people having a chance to hear stuff. And I'm sitting there watching this going, the Fleet Foxes are great and they're popular, but I, I can't see why someone would enjoy that and not be blown away by this. And the whole aspect of the story of your recording with your dad yeah. and your dad is here honest, with yeah. you in fricking <laughs> Dallas, Texas. Yeah, it's amazing. And y'all are doing a, sh- a show together. Right. It, I, My wife said the same thing. It touched us. Uh, like it you. gave an yeah. extra layer to the performance to make me connect to the songs and the uh, sound and, yeah. It's just a, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I've, I've, since I started doing my solo stuff, I've always had Pop on every. Uh, he's been on every record. Yeah, he's been on every single record, whether it's playing harmonica or singing or playing lead guitar. He's been on every single record that goes back to two thousand and four. Okay, well then I want to do this. I want to talk oh. about okay. The first song I heard by you, Paul, was "Once in a While." Ah, and if yeah. I if I think wasn't there a video for there that? Was a video and it was for, a black and white video. Uh, yeah, we did a video there uh, right, out, right on the uh, queen in queens it was in long island city yeah. my buddy i don't know if it was black and white but there was a mime in it yes yes there yes. was a mime in it yeah oh, man, <laughs> Lef, Lef, that's left he, he runs he runs big big crown oh okay with, with leon leon and he has a whole stable it. of mimes uh, it's fantastic <laughs> is leon of the l michaels affair leon. Uh, leon okay yeah. so um so anyways my buddy will over at josie records oh, told me about you he's a fantastic yeah, human fantastic and he was telling me about you. I was like, I need to check his stuff out. And so I went online first before I went to Spotify or anything. And I saw that video. And I was like, oh, this is really, really interesting. I like this. This is not what I expected at all. Uh, so I want to play that song. But before I do it, I want to hear your dad tell me what his thoughts are of the song, what he thinks uh, about the song. About this song? Yeah. I, to me... First of all, I, I love the song. I love the stuff that Paul writes, all of it. Uh, uh, but there's a hook in there that he had me do in the background. Yeah. Have mercy, have mercy. Yeah. I mean, that's pure impressions. Uh, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, a little Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and I just I said, wow, this is great. Tell me later on that he originally wrote it for the Shala Das. That was, that <laughs> was yeah. the Shala Das. That was yeah. the first Shala Das song. I was like, Pop, we yeah. got to do this song. And yeah. I told you, you still wanting to be a blues man. <laughs> and I was like, Pop, we have to do this. This is, good. This is a Shalada song, man. Let's yeah. do this. Let's do this song. Like, oh, I'm into this other stuff. And I, I was like, all right, then I'm taking it for my record. Well, I, I love, I love how sonically gentle it is. I love the simplicity and the beauty of it. And I, I promise you, this song will pop up in your head again a week from now, and you won't even know why. <laughs> it's from Paul and the Tall Trees. It's Once in a While. Once in a while, occasionally lately, once in a while, once in a while, never again. Okay, well, maybe once in a while, once in a while, what could I say? I thought our love was
I'm so wild. Occasionally, lately, once in a while, once in a while, never again. Okay, well, maybe once in a while, once in a while, what could I say? I thought I was bona fide, but to my I love that song. My wife loves that song. We love that song together. I think you should go love that song all the time as well. Paul and the Tall Trees, Big Crown Record. So that was the first record. That was 2016? Correct, yeah. Came out in 2016. Um, get a copy, or if you're a Spotify type, you can stream it there. Uh, but it's a, it's a really, really cool record. But I was bragging earlier that I had heard the new record. Now, uh... The song we're going to play here is actually currently on Spotify. You can go listen to it now. I saw you guys perform it live last week, and it has it's it feels uh, epic. It's powerful. It's got a lot of emotion. I feel like. I mean, I I wasn't uh, I haven't talked to you about this song. Yeah, but I feel the power of this song. And I certainly felt it seeing it live. And so I want you to tell me about Although We Cry, why you wrote it, what's it about, and why it was the first single on the new record. Uh, this this song was written um, this song was written right after I, uh, I came out of a long relationship. There's a, the, this, this record was written basically, you know, for the most part around this, this pretty intense, long-distance relationship being on the road for a couple of years and um and it was it was it was it was, it was great it was, i'm so grateful for this experience to have loved so so deeply and to have felt this way it's, it's 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 the greatest thing in the world and and uh and so it's it's just when you get when you get through the the tough the tough stuff i mean everyone can relate to this it doesn't have to be about love it really doesn't it could be about anything you're in in life and that you you, you learn from it and when you have that moment when you're when you're when you're you know when you're you're crying and you're just like laughing at the same time about i cannot believe i have been so lucky to have been through this and what you know what it feels so real when you're when you're doing it and then then you come down and it's like that's okay i'm here and everything's safe and everybody's all right and you know and we tried and we we really did we try and doesn't work and so that's okay and we learn you know it hurts we learn and you know and 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 uh and then you grow you know you experience you learn and you evolve, you know, like that's how it goes. And if you don't, if you don't evolve, you're going to go through the same experience. Over again, if you don't learn, you're not going to evolve. And then you're going to go through the same experience again. There's steps, you got to do these steps. And, and that, and that is kind of, that's kind of how that song happened. Um, uh, it, it had happened after I'd really been upset for a long time. And then I'd finally, come out of that and been like, I can't, that, how grateful am I? How grateful am I? To have to have felt that way about another human being in 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 this world and and uh, and I think we can all feel that way. Or how grateful am I to have been through this experience and what I learned from it? Or how grateful am I to done any of these things and 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 um and to be alive to be alive now? You know? And so that's kind of that's kind of what it's about. And that's kind of what the whole record is 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 based about. It's about it's you know it's about that relationship.
that it, not that it sounds like it, or not that I get that. I just get a similar sort of monumental sweeping feeling that I get from the uh, Paul Simon song "Only Living Boy in yeah. New York," ah, where there's just this spirit that picks you up with that. And I think part of it is the the song clearly is a powerful song. The way it's recorded, all of those elements make it a pretty damn perfect song. It's really great. I had to put it as the first song on the record. It just feels so right for me. Like the piano in the beginning, it, it does. It just it did the same thing for me when I when when we tracked it. I, I I thought that, and we had done it live, and the acoustic guitar and the vocals are on one track, so you can't. You know, that's why you hear me talk during it a little bit, and you can't. You know, the the instrumental version doesn't have any acoustic guitar in it because then it has the vocals in it. So, but then you get to hear the piano and the bass, and the players on the record are. Are, are phenomenal. My brother William plays the piano throughout it, and Tommy plays the bass and guitar, and Alex Shakur, who played with uh, the Extraordinaires, plays the guitar, and Justin Gwip, who played with Levon Helm, mm-hmm. plays the drums, and then Homer plays, and Nick plays, you know, and, and it, it, Leon plays all over the record. Um, the Budos band, horn players play on the record. Same horn players who played on Although We Cry play on Crack of Dawn. Like, it's just a family thing. But that's the Budos band on... That's the Budos yeah. band on the horns with Leon and, like, I, I think I think Dave Guy. I think the Menahan crew on Although We Cry. I think it's the Menahan crew and 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 uh, the Budos crew. And on Crack of Dawn, it's the Budos crew. The sweeping sort of crescendo part of when the horns come in, I think, is part of what gives me that feel. Uh, Thank you know, you, that kind of takes you somewhere. I mean, you're already going somewhere, and then it takes you somewhere else. Kind of, kind of, kind of the vibe that that ended up happening with this record. It's uh, it's significantly different sounding than the first record, but I I believe it. It um, I believe it's the best work I've done. Um, not not to, I'm sure a ton of people say that, and uh, my new stuff is the best stuff I've done. But there's something about this record that I am so proud of, that is so truly, um, me, um. That is unlike any other record or any of the songs I've ever written. This this group of songs, it, it feels. Uh, it's clearly very personal. It's it's extremely personal. Like it's one of the first times I've put these kinds of things down. Like these story, I feel like they're stories that are really, like they're stories I lived. Um, I don't, you know, it's it's and it's cool to write other other kinds of stuff. I have a hard time writing that kind of thing, but this record in particular, it, it um. This record's called So Long. It is. It's called So Long. And, and why is it called so long? It's it's because that was kind of like I said there was this there was this thing I was done with with, with, with this relationship and this road, but it was so such a beautiful journey. But it was like okay, that's I have to say goodbye to that. You know, I mean, I, 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 I tell you what, I can't help but think about as uh, you know, I know the record and I've listened to it several times. And earlier we're talking about someone to someone right. and what that means. And I'm assuming that that song was written before you were involved in this relationship. It was. Okay. And now we're at the end of this mm, relationship. It was. And we're starting this, the record with Although We Cry. Right. And I can't help but think of the sentiment in Someone to Someone. And then right. the sentiment almost at the end of one particular journey, a very important journey. Yeah. But this uh, very um, philosophical perspective of how we deal with loss. Because you're embracing the great parts that make the loss painful, right? Right, right. right. And, yeah. and and it's just so amazing you to me that this, from it. yeah, that's who you are, that right? You, you're you're giving yourself in the form of a record, kind of, and it's kind of scary. And um, getting up on stage is kind of intimidating. And uh, I saw that. Soul I to s- people is really, really really scary um and uh and to be honest with you the other night at that show i got i I wanted to i wanted to say on the stage thank you thank you for being so receptive because getting up here is not easy and it's not it's not easy people are performers you know charles bradley a performer Mm -hmm. black pumas phenomenal performers yeah right i mean those are performers yeah that lead man that oh man eric Eric burton Burton eric's no joke yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. That is a front man. Yeah. He is a front yeah. Yeah. man. He's something yeah. else. He is phenomenal. 
I am not a performer. <laughs> like I can't get like like in that in that way where it's like I can I can separate myself from this thing, but I'm also giving myself. But I can separate it and have this kind of fun, and then still give it and still personal. But it's kind of but that uh, it, for me, it's it's, it's that makes you a persona. Absolutely, instead of the performer, oh. you're a persona. You come out there. And it's you. Well, thank you. Thank you. It is. It's, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It there is. was there was something. I mean, I I could tell it was difficult. It is. But the performance was amazing, and I can't. I had a Thanks. lot of friends around me, and I can't tell. And I told my friends about you, and I've hey, you've got to check out this record. And it really started me playing them the Charlotte. I was go, can you believe uh-huh. that this is a modern thing? And then listening to your music, but they every one of my friends had the same reaction to your set, and it was. Oh my God, this is beautiful. And this guy's voice is fucking amazing. And I knew that you were singing from a place of vulnerability. And I had this, uh, I've always had my dad as a safety net with everything I've done. And I was just, (laughs) I, I, I had this amazing personal feeling when I was, you were explaining a song that was emotional yeah. and powerful, yeah. and your dad is standing next yeah. to you, and I'm watching his yeah. body language, yeah. and I'm suddenly thinking about my son, and when my uh, son wants to go out in the I world, know, and, okay. what did that feel uh, like, William, being that, on stage with It's your son? just the greatest. It's the greatest because you're sharing it with him. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's an honor to be able to do it because, you know, his stuff is unique, it is personal. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we have a relationship with each other also yeah. and, mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah. beautiful being yeah. out there yeah. it's awesome. and, uh, uh, bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're protecting your soul. Yeah. Is that what he's doing? It's not, it's not, yeah. I don't know <laughs> about that. I'm a parole that. officer, but he's my bodyguard. <laughs> I had so much fun doing this podcast with Paul and William. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I have to thank my buddy Will over at Josie Records for putting Paul on my radar in the first place. You know, Paul, in 2006, fell in love with the Mavericks when they got screwed by the refs going up against the Miami Heat. He calls it the fix of 06. And he's like, that's a team I can pull for right there. And here we are 13 years later, and he's recording a podcast in Dallas, Texas with a guy on the Mavs TV broadcast. Pretty cool full circle stuff. Huge thanks to you guys for checking out this podcast. Thanks to Big Crown Records and Daptone Records for letting us use some of the music. Please go and pick up those records. A lot of them available on vinyl, which means a little something to me. It also means a little something to me if you told your friends about this podcast and subscribe to it. That way it can get to your ear holes the second that we release it. Don't forget to listen to the Ben and Skin Show weekdays 3 to 7 on 105.3 The Fan. Thanks to KT for producing this. And as always, thanks to the Jizza for the inspiration. We had just finished mixing someone to someone in the studio. Wow. Late night. And, Tom, and Tommy mentioned he had this song. And we're hanging out and he's playing this piano part. And I just start singing over it. And it's and it kind of went it's kind of went the same way as opened my eyes where it was like I came up with it just for a minute. He sent me a, a, a then he sent me a tape of it and uh, I kind of worked on some some melodies and we went in and did it just on on our phone kind of messing around like you know late night really really late and um and then again gave it to gave it to pop like gave it to pop and let him do his thing with it like really take over it you so know? much to do with it yeah, it's yeah, so great yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of how it went. And then that one became kind of like a duet as well. But he worked in on Pop worked in all these other yeah, backing vocals, yeah. like all everybody the Thomas for Will and for Carmine. Um, so yeah, that, that's 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 kind of how that's like that's kind of how our songs go when we yep. do them together, man. And I think those are the best songs, the ones that start one place and somewhere yeah. else. I don't, I don't I don't know about mm. that, man. I don't know. Loving the wind is phenomenal. Yeah. Duet is phenomenal. Okay, my love. Okay, my love is, is okay. My love Tommy. has a strange you story to it. Also, is that he he began that Tommy be, began you. that hook? I I think he said like ten you. years ago. Uh, probably, yeah. He was he, he just started he wrote he that just, when he was on the road yeah. with, with Sharon. He he wrote that actually talking to his mother. He would to, talk his mother, to his mother. Yes. Okay, Take my love. love. I'll be home soon. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 You're right. Hey, I said I never got a chance to finish this up. Is there anything you can do with it? All right. But again, if if somebody else starts it. You know, they put you on a road that you would not otherwise have traveled. Yeah. And, and it's great to go down that road.